The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. It's just great to be up here and talk to you guys this morning. Um, we were having communion and kind of looking over everybody and just thinking about how nice it is to be part of this body. And the Lord just kind of puts on me a, a, a thought to share with you. You are a fantastic seed. And I know we all heard about seeds. You know, everybody in the world preaches about seed. But just take a second and think about that, being a seed. So we're going to leave that there. Let the Holy Spirit work on that. So this message is brought out of a call for revival um, that has been in this church for 15 to 20 years. Um, I'm sure many of you are praying for revival. Um, in my personal prayer life, it started out kind of a big thing, you know, God bring revival to the world, then bring revival to the nation, and then bring revival to Texas, and now it's kind of down to revive the church of Abilene. So very encouraging this last week on two different postings on Facebook, have been mentioned directly to the Church of Abilene. One of the larger congregations here in town has even uh, established and printed a unity statement, and it's a pretty darn good statement. So if you have a chance to read it, I suggest you do. It's very encouraging uh, to see that the things that we are all praying for are actually beginning to surface out there. Little bubbles here and bubbles there are beginning to appear. We're not alone in praying for revival for the Church of Abilene. So that brings us to today's message. Um, you know, the word tells us that we, one of the rights that we have is when we become Christians is the right to be called the children of God. And a right is worthless if you don't exercise it. Let me say it one more time. A right is worthless if you do not exercise it. So does that mean I can be a Christian and not be a child of God? Absolutely. You could be in the family, you could be a cousin, you could be a whatever. But until you exercise that right, you're not really being that child of God. Along with that right, we all think about all the blessings that come with that, but rarely do we take the time to think about the responsibilities that come with being the child. So one of those responsibilities, especially if you come from a family that has their own business or that is eco-financially secure and leading other people, you have a responsibility to grow up in the family and to take on the next generation of challenges and even suggest ways for, the, for your family's company to grow and increase. If indeed we're going to take on the assumption that we are children of God and walk in that, then we have a responsibility as we mature to make suggestions to the Father of how we can increase based on his principles and his his diagram. His purpose has never changed. From the moment that we decided to not go his way, his purpose has, got, has been to get us all back to going the direction we should go, to live in the world that he created us to live in, in a manner in he, which he created, which none of us sitting in this room has the ability to even imagine or, or believe it's so far beyond us, and yet there's a hope and desire for it in every one of our hearts. So he sent Christ, did all that, made it possible. Christ brought hope into a hopeless world, and, his, and 12 guys that believed him and hung out with him for all those years changed the world in a matter of days. 
and they did it through the power of the Holy Spirit. So my suggestion to the Lord was, could you come on a Sunday, loose your Holy Spirit in Abilene, Texas, to every congregation and every ethnicity and every denomination, come to the Laotian Christian Church, come to the Mexican Christian Churches, come to the black, white, Episcopalian churches, the Baptists and Methodists, the fill in the blankest and release the power of the Holy Spirit to do the things that we see. And so those things are called the gifts of the Spirit. Understanding that these that the, the, the Spirit is the Holy Spirit. That is the gift. Christ says, I, I've got to go. I'm going to ask you to forgive me for paraphrasing Scripture, because we have a limited time, and if I, if I make a reference to every single one, then I'm, I'm going to run out of time. I got, anyway, so just forgive me. If you can't, then talk to me after, after church, and we'll go through and find them all. Anyway, most of the stuff, all you guys already know. So he says, I've got to go, because if I don't go, the Father cannot send the helper to you. And this helper will enable you in every area of your life. He's also, we find out, here we'll talk about in a few minutes, the conduit through which the power of God can come and touch people who, are, who believe and want to be believed greater and those who don't believe and are brought to Christ. And that's through the presence of these gifts. So the gifts come from God, and they are given to the Holy Spirit to be his responsibility to distribute to us for all of our benefit. So we're going to go to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians we're going to chapter 12, verse 4, and I know you've all heard this scripture, but we're going to read through it one more time. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So that all sounds pretty good. We all want to see that happen. And like a lot of things in the New Testament, we're given concepts, but we're not given a driver's manual. We're not given an instruction manual. So sometimes it's difficult to get from point A to point B without a map. Over the decades, we've come up with reasons why we don't see these things in the church. We're not going to talk about those things this morning. What we're going to talk about is gift cards and cornbread. So let's talk about gift cards. Bill, if I gave you a gift card for a car wash, is your car clean? 
No, if I give you, if I, so here's, 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 here's a gift card. There you go. Okay. Now you've got your gift. It's a car wash. Is your car clean? No. Because the gift card is not the gift, is it? The gift is actually going to the car wash and getting the car washed. There you go. Exercising the gift. Paul refers to that when he talks to Timothy. He says, stir his stuff up that's inside of you that's, that you've got, God's put in you. So we're talking about, talking about stirring this morning. We talked about rights not being rights until we exercise them. A gift is not a gift until it's redeemed. For all the men in the audience, the fact that I've realized this week that a gift card is not a gift is a sad moment. But it's true. Ladies, please forgive us. So let's talk about, we know what the gifts are, we've listed them. Let's take a few minutes and excuse me while I rattle papers here. I'm not nearly as organized as our pastor is. And let's just talk about really quick what each one of these things is. And we'll start with word of knowledge. Okay, so this is the written definition. Ability to judge things according to the truth and a firm persuasion in belief in that truth, the veracity. In this particular case, this knowledge comes from an unknown source. You didn't study it. You've not heard a tape on it. You don't know, you don't have a mentor that talked to you about it. You don't know anybody who's ever been through it. It's an unsolvable problem. You can't see, and no matter what you do, no matter where you look, you cannot find an answer. And as we, as we tend to, instead of starting at the prayer end, we go to the prayer end. We go to God and say, I need, I need an answer here. And lo and behold, we wake up the next day, and this thing that was unsolvable, boom, it's in our head. We know how to solve it. And then perhaps we get a word of wisdom, and that wisdom tells us how to use that knowledge. Example. Solomon. The two women show up at his court. There's one baby. They're both, claim, both of the women are claiming it. Solomon doesn't have a clue who that mother is. He has no way of knowing. You know, he was there deciding all kinds of things that day. Who's responsible for the cow that fell in the well? You know, who's your, you know where's, the, where's the boundary line? Can, can, you know, Aunt Sue marry, you know, Cousin Bob? <laughs> hundreds of decisions he's making that day and, and these two women show up with this, with this, with this child so he's sitting there remember he had asked for wisdom so in that moment in time God said that child belongs to that woman and he goes great how, how do I get him there how, how do I settle this where everyone in here knows it's just and then it's you and then he gets the solution, and he puts it into action. Tells the guard, cut the baby in half, give each half to each woman, that it's all fair. And, of course, the mother, loving the child, sacrifices the child, and he knows that's the, everybody knows that's the mom. So that's just one example. There's, there's others, and in your own life, there are some, I'm sure. You, you have a problem, you're putting something together, you are, whether it's a plan for a business or you're 
trying to put the, the new IKEA furniture together, and you just can't get it done. And so in frustration, you walk away, get a glass of tea, go outside, watch the birds, whatever. You come back, walk in the room, and go, oh, yeah, that's easy. Same kind of thing. Next is gifts of faith. This is a very interesting one. So faith is defined as complete trust. You know, you don't have to go much further than that. Complete trust. Hebrews tells us it's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And so we think faith grows little by little, and that's true. But we can always be also be given a gift of faith to believe something without cause. to believe that we are capable of bringing another human being to the salvation in Christ. To believe without cause that Christ did die for us. The fun one, working of miracles. Dunamis. The physical, mental, and emotional power from God to produce effects that are supreme over every process of any source. Wow. So my favorite, I think my favorite miracle that Christ did while he was here, and he, you know, he did hundreds of these things. You know, people came just for that reason. They, they didn't came to get, they didn't, they didn't came. Can you tell them from West Texas? They didn't came. <laughs> so they didn't come to get saved. They didn't come to see the Messiah. They didn't come for a lot of different reasons, but they came to get their scoliosis healed. They came to have their vision restored. They came to have the child they could never have. They came for lots of reasons. And Christ did innumerable un, un, miracles would result. If they tried to write them down, the books couldn't hold them all. Well, the word also says that this helper that he sends is going to enable us, the believers in Christ, to do the things that Christ did and greater things. And I don't know about you, but I have not healed anybody lately. I haven't seen a cripple on the, on the side of the road and stopped and laid my hand on them and their leg grew back. My favorite guy that had a miracle to him is this poor guy in the synagogue, right? I, I, I just, my heart goes out to this guy. He's just, it's just Saturday, and we're going to the synagogue, and we're having, and then all of a sudden, Christ is there teaching, and he points to the guy, and he says, uh, your arm, it's going to be okay now. And the guy's arm suddenly becomes functional. Now, everybody wants to talk to him. His whole world is disrupted because God used him for a miracle, and he can't be unhappy about it. So God sometimes does things just for his own glory, and we can be used for that. Understand, all of these things are for us. They're not for someone that lived 2,000 years ago. They're not for someone who has a, a clergy name behind them. They're not for someone who has any kind of a degree or education. They're for the most common people. And they're simply to do one thing, profit of us all. And the word says, I would that all would be saved. All is the same in both places. And in the Greek, all means all. Discerning of spirits. 
Now, ladies, this is one that I think is in your DNA. It's that intuition thing. But this is cranked up a little bit. I'm working, I'm working that way. Yeah, I'm not going in order. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going in Dougie order, so it's kind of messed up. <laughs> we don't want to miss prophecy. It's a huge one. So discerning of spirits. Most of us have had this experience. We meet someone, and they are just as charming as they can be. They look good. They smell good. They're dressed well. They glad hand us in just the right amount of pressure, and we, we just love being around them, and we want to be their friends, but there's something inside of us that doesn't make any sense that keeps screaming, stranger, danger, stranger, danger. And so sometimes we listen, and sometimes we don't. And when we do... It seems that over time, we find out why. And we're saved from the damage that was caused to our friends who decided to be friends with this person. So there's something in our spirit that recognizes something in that person's spirit for which we need to be cautious. Is there anything wrong with that person? No. Can they be a Christian? Yes. The Word also tells us we're going to have wolves amongst the sheep. Oh, my, that's kind of scary, huh? It's supposed to be. It's a warning. Use your discerning spirits. And Pastor was kind enough to remind us of prophecy. <laughs> so let's talk about prophecy for a moment. Now, when this, this particular gift of prophecy is not the prophecy that we see of the prophets, Prophets are a gift to the church, and they are an administrative gift, so to speak. These are not administrative gifts. These are manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And so in this case, prophecy becomes very personal, or can become very personal. And it's never used for correction. It is never used to correct someone or to condemn someone. Never. If it's being used that way, it's being used with, with personal vain intent. And it's not of God. It is to educate and edify and build up. And we can prophesy over ourselves. We can edify ourselves. We're even encouraged to say, well, how do I do that? Agree with what God says about you. Get up in the morning and say, I am a great person. Why? Because God loves me, and God's not going to love junk. The word says that the prophet is in control of the prophecy. So I can choose to be a prophet. I can choose to prophesy. Absolutely. How can I do that? Did you ever go to a grocery line and the cashier is just, ticked off as they can possibly be. And they're just fuming. You don't know why. They're exhausted. Their feet hurt. Someone's been being mean to them. I can choose to prophesy to that person. I can choose to smile at them and speak an encouraging word to them to edify them, to reassure them that they're doing well. You ought to try it sometime. It's amazing. You're, you know, I love the way you handled that hard person. You know, I could not do your job. You're amazing. Great job. Doesn't sound very, very biblical, does it? But it is. 
I've also seen it used to, to bring people to a further knowledge of Christ. I've loved it. Every time I've seen this, somebody walks into a church one day, they come in to visit. They don't know anybody in the church. Nobody in the church knows them. They're sitting there minding their own business, having a grand time. And God decides to talk to them that day. And gives someone in the congregation a prophetic word for that person. And that word gets delivered. And if you're in the audience and watching it, it's phenomenal. Because it strikes them like somebody hit them with a shovel in the face. Pow! Next thing you know, it's a snot fest sometimes. Or, or just people are just bowed, awed. Because God talks to them exactly where they are. About what it is they're dealing with. In such a gentle and delicate way. That nobody else knows their secrets. But they know God knows. And I saved the very best for last. Paul talks about in chapter 13, the greatest gift is the title of my chapter there. And I know you all know this. It's about love. That love is the greatest gift. How can that be a manifestation of the Spirit? How can it not be? The God we serve is love. He defines himself that way. I, God is love. Bingo. So what does this love word mean? I mean, there's probably more literature written on the concepts and facts and thoughts and, of love than anything else. There was a time when love was very not very important to me. I was sitting about where you are, Tim, and pastor's dad was delivering a message, and he said, and I can't, I'm not sure this exact quote, but it's the point, giving love and receiving love is our most vital need above everything else. And because we're in church, I can't tell you exactly what I thought. I was not impressed. But I knew him. I'd seen him operate in the spirit for years. It had an impact on my life. And dynamic impact on my family. So I couldn't shake the words. And they just haunted me. Days, months, weeks go by. I'm praying about this. And uh, God in his infinite wisdom took the time to put me through all the things I needed to go through I apologize for my emotional state to break the hardness of my heart and to teach me that love indeed is the most important thing So all that being said, we're going to go back to, or go to, the one we haven't talked about yet. And that's the one that people get so freaked out about. It's called the variety of tongues. I love the way it says it there, the variety of tongues. So let's just go over the menu. Let's start with the one nobody wants. It's the ones the pagans have. They still do. And I love one of the one of the commentaries wrote about it. It was part of their ecstasy. Now, we come to a church, we don't really think about having ecstasy. 
that their worship was a little bit different. It included alcohol, hallucinogenic drugs are available today, mushrooms aren't new. It included sex of all kinds, groups, all those type of things. And asking for whatever spirit they were worshiping to enter their body and possess them. Well, boys and girls, if you ask them, they're coming. They're a lot friendlier than people. They won't turn you down. We've all seen televised movies of voodoo situations. But in this case, they were real, and they would become in an altered state of consciousness, and they would speak these strange, these strange tongues in this ecstasy. So Corinth just happened to be one of the places where one of these temples was and where this what's happened. And so in my own mind, I'm thinking, okay, so there was some confusion over this. Because one of the signs of the Holy Spirit coming to people is some people will be so overwhelmed with the power of the Holy Spirit and so thankful that things just come out of their mouth that don't make any sense. It's like when your kids start talking and they go, you love that because you're their dad or their mom. Well, so does their father. But in our case, that's our spirit using our body to pray. I'm going to say that one more time. That's our spirit, which is hidden from us because God holds our spirits. But our spirit is praying on our behalf, on behalf of the church, on behalf of whatever we don't know, in those moments, giving praise to the Father and praying for things that we don't even see the need for in our life. But because the Father can see further than we ever can, the Spirit knows. So that's one kind of tongues. Another type we read about in Acts. We read about three different types of tongues in Acts. All right, so Christ tells, tells the guys, okay, look, I'm leaving. Dad's sitting in the Spirit. You're going to love it. He empowers you. You're going to do all these wonderful things. However, you need to wait. So round everybody up, go to this room, and wait. So there's like 140 people in this room, and they're living there. It must have been fairly uncomfortable, but they kept living there. And they probably do a crowd, because it's strange to see people that don't even aren't really from the same part of the country. Some have families, some don't but they're all living in this one big room somewhere. Women are out every day bringing in water, going to, the, going to the markets, buying stuff. They're cooking food. They're doing all the things that we have to do to live all in this one room. It probably drew a lot of talk. I'm sure it did. So it wasn't like they were up there secretly. Everybody knew about them. And then one day, what's that phrase, that wonderful phrase in the Bible? And then God. The rushing wind, the sounds of thunder, the tongues of fire. I have no clue what that means, tongues of fire. The only thing I can relate it to is I have talked to people who have had miraculous healings in one type or another, and many of them report a feeling of physical heat in the affected part. So perhaps their tongues were like burning hot. Maybe super habanero sauce, I don't know. But then we hear that the people outside who knew about them are hearing all this talk coming out of this room. And they're a bunch of drunks. 
So maybe not all of you have been around drunk people, but a lot of times they get loud and rowdy and noisy and they make strange sounds. <laughs> well, they weren't drunk, but they were experiencing that liberation of their spirit to pray to their God and give thanks. That hadn't really been heard before. Nobody knew what it was. The next example we see, they're out, they're out now they, they're, they've got this power, and they're going out to tell the world about this guy Christ, who is this, who's the Christ, this man Jesus, who is the Christ. His last name is not Christ, he is the Christ, the anointed one of God, the man God, son of man. And as they're speaking, the people in the crowd realize, wait a minute, they're all from Galilee, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm from Tuscola, and I can understand them, you know? I'm, I'm from Boston. I, I got it. So no matter where they're from, no matter what nation or what tongue they speak, they're hearing the word of God in their own native language. So that's one of two things. And, and they're both intertwined. Is it the miracle that they're hearing it in their own language or are they speaking in their own language? And there's actually recordings of both happening in the word. So that's three types, and actually we've talked about four types. We talk in Christianity, you know, we have, we have our own language in Christianity. It's called Christianese. Um, I don't know why, but we like it. So in Christianese, we're praying in the Spirit, and Paul talks about that, about praying in the Spirit, praying with understanding and praying without understanding. He's not praying without understanding that he's praying. He's praying without understanding of what the sounds are, what the words are what the subject matter is. So why would we not want all of these gifts? Well, there's reasons that we don't want any gifts. <clears throat> First place, if, you know, Bill gives me the, you know, say Bill decides to give me a gift. Holy mackerels. What am I, what am I obligated for now? Do I have to give Bill a gift? You know, what did I do to deserve this? Who does Bill think I am? Why, why, why did Bill give me a shoehorn? You know, I, I can put on my shoes without a shoehorn most days. I'm, I'm afraid that I'm going to be obligated. I'm afraid Bill's going to give me something that's going to hurt me. What if this shoehorn breaks and cuts my finger? Much of the same true, uh, I believe, of, of the spiritual gifts. We are afraid to get them, afraid to ask for them, afraid to seek them because we don't know what's going to happen to us. You know, the, the word asks a great question. If your child comes up to you and says, can I have something to eat? I am hungry. How many of you are going to give them a rock? How many of you are going to give your kid something that he could hurt himself with if he asked for something for food? So the example there is, if we ask for these things, as Paul encourages us to do, God's not going to give us something that's going to hurt us. So do I have faith to believe that? I do today. I saw most of these things. I didn't always. I had to change my mind. Is it okay to change our minds as Christians, or do we need to be rock solid in our word and our beliefs? Let me give you two examples of Christians who change their mind. One is a guy named St. Augustine, or Augustine, depending on how you want to pronounce it. One of the great founding fathers of Christian theology. 
He did not believe that we were living in a time of miracles. And he wrote about it. A number of years ago, I believe it was 12, and he writes another commentary where he says, I was wrong. The church has compiled, meaning the Roman church, has compiled a catalog of profound miracles, each one thoroughly investigated, each one found to be factually correct. And I was wrong. Miracles are for today. By the way, the, Catholic, the Roman Catholic Church still does that. And the library is massive, absolutely massive. And these aren't giving credit where credit is not due. The term devil's advocate came from the court where these things are tried at. It's true. So, I'm off on a rabbit trail. I'm so sorry. Let me get back on track. Where was the track? So why don't we want these gifts? Why would we not want to do these things? Fear and vanity. The writer of Ecclesiastes says, everything is vanity. There's even one of the laws of God that says, don't take the word, Lord's name in vain. Well, we, why not? Because it, it puts us in a place where we decide we have the power to wield God's power. And we do not. Vanity. Well, okay, so let me, let me, let me pick one. Um, we'll pick a real public one. Let's pick prophecy. Let's say I decide to, to, to chase after prophecy. I want, I want the gift of prophecy. I want to be able to manifest prophecy to someone. And so over time, God says, okay, you've been asking for it. You've been working on it. Here we go. I see someone. The Lord puts an image in my head or a thought, and my inside just goes crazy. Just like jitterbug in the, in, in the stomach area. Okay, so we have a process here at Champions. And it's a very simple process. You know, Paul tells everybody in m multiple places, keep everything in your worship service in order. Don't, don't get crazy. Don't get out of line. So we simply write on a piece of paper or come talk to the pastor. If there's a moment where you talk to him without interrupting service, tell him what we believe we heard from the Lord and let him process it. And I'm sure he's processing it through prayer. It comes out, it's a word, and it's an appropriate time to bring the word. Because sometimes we'll get a word, and it won't be the right time. Sometimes we'll get a word, and it won't be a word. It'll just be an impression. Something we're supposed to be praying about for a person. So we submit it to our authority. Our authority goes, that's great. And then, you know, it's time for you to deliver your word. So you get up there, your knees are knocking, your heart's pounding out of your chest, you're looking at this person you may, you may or may not know, and you share with them what the Lord has put in your heart. And it may sound ridiculous. I was speaking over a lady one night, and I've known this woman, I've known her for, known her for 12 years. One of the best women you would ever want to meet in your life. I laid hands on her, began to pray over, and all I saw was an image of a snake. <laughs> Thank you, exactly. This, this big, cold-up snake striking out. And, I, and I, I remember saying, I called her by name. I said, I, I'm so sorry, but all I'm seeing right now is a snake. And I know you're not a snake. And I said, give me a second. So, so we prayed about a little bit more. And it was like, did you ever have an encounter with a snake trying to bite you? And she stood there for a minute. And all of a sudden, that look came on her face. 
Now, this woman is in her mid-30s, a consummate professional, a deep, deep believer, loves the Lord, has been used, does all kind of great work. This look comes over her face. She turns about half white. She says, when I was a child, a snake fell down on me, and it frightened me so bad I, did, I never got over it. Well, at that point in time, fear had entered her, and that, that, that doorway of fear was opened, and there had been a fear all of her life. The Lord broke that off her that night. Since then, she's gone on to open up her own business and become very successful. She would never have done that, living in that spirit of fear. So in that case, the Lord used a word of prophecy to bring deliverance to one of his beloved children. It goes on and on and on. So we're afraid that somebody's going to laugh at us if we stand up and say something stupid. So what? When your baby was learning to walk and they fell down, did you laugh at them? Sometimes we do because they fall kind of funny. But, I mean, you didn't laugh at them in a mean-spirited way. You were always encouraging and loving, and you were so proud of them for just trying, and you encouraged them to try again. So I've had multiple failures. Okay. God's word doesn't come back void. Usually someone else would step up and finish it or get it right. God doesn't mess around. You're not going to be embarrassed by the Lord. You might feel embarrassed, but you don't have to feel that way. You can just reject it and go, this is a learning, this is a learning experience. Did Christ have any? Because this, I may step on some toes here. So Christ was, a, was Christ a human? Everybody goes, yes, Christ was a human. Was he completely human? Yes. His father was a carpenter. So he would have been trained to be a carpenter. Do you really think the first time he tried to measure something, it worked out well? The first time he tried to use a saw, it went well? I don't think so. So even Christ made mistakes. A mistake is not a sin. Now, for those of you who grew up in, in strong law churches, let me say that again. A mistake is not a sin. Mistake's just a mistake. Even if, it, even if you do make a mistake that's sin, it's covered. Crazy idea, right? What if I use this the wrong way? God's still going to be glorified, and he'll just deal with you later. So don't worry about those things. What should you be concerned about? What should I be concerned about? I want to do this stuff. I think you do, too. Imagine what would happen if we start doing it here, if we start pursuing these things here, and the Holy Spirit goes, okay. Just like those guys waiting in that room until I got there, the whole time, I'm sure they were being prayerful and having discussions among themselves about what this was going to be and what they were going to do with it and making plans. Did all those plans change once it happened? Probably a lot of them did. Was the planning good? Absolutely. Was the anticipation good? Absolutely. What am I saying us today? We should be looking for, desiring, and anticipating the move of the Holy Spirit. So how do we make it happen? Just like making cornbread. You make cornbread. Ladies, I can't bake. 
I can bake two things. I can make cornbread, and I can make a resemblance of a biscuit. That's it. So you get cornbread, you got to have three containers, right? you got to have two bowls, one for dry, one for wet, and you got to have a pan. And you need an oven, which is a heat source. So here we go. Put the dry ingredients in one bowl, the wet ingredients in the other bowl, mix them both together, right? So I got wet stuff all mixed up over here, dry stuff all mixed up over here. And then the crazy stuff starts happening. I mix the wet stuff with the dry stuff, and I come up with this yellow gooey stuff that doesn't look like anything else. In the meantime, I put the pan with some oil in it, kind of some lubrication in the oven, and it's hot. I take it out of the oven. I pour this gooey stuff into that pan, and around the edges where that oil is hot, it starts to bubble and sizzle. And an aroma comes out of this gooey stuff, and it smells like cornbread. But it's not cornbread. It's just yellow gooey stuff. So then it goes into the oven. Time goes by. I think that should be ready. Pull it out. Get the kitchen knife. Stick it in there. Pull it out. But it's still gooey, and it's not done. Back in the oven she goes. More heat. More time. Pull it out again. I check it. Yep, it's dry. Take it out. I flip it over onto the plate or cutting board or whatever. And now it's cornbread. Well, maybe. Let me taste it. If you're a southerner, it tastes sweet. It's got to be cornbread. So now we lather it with butter or chili or whatever, and we serve it to our family and our friends, and everyone enjoys the cornbread. So I need, if I'm going to use the same principle with gifts of the Holy Spirit, let's talk about it. Let's choose one. Um, let's see. Anybody got one they'd like the, to work with? Anybody? No. Okay. That'll be way too quiet. Since we're talking about tongues, let's just pick tongues. All right, so I got my bowl, right? I'm the bowl. What's in, what's in the liquid bowl? The liquid bowl is the Holy Spirit and faith, right? Because if salvation can come through faith, so can the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because salvation is the big thing, right? This is the way to maybe get salvation to someone else. It's equally as important. They're going to have to come through faith. So I got my dry thing, and that's me. And my desire for this gift of tongues. I take the wet stuff, the Holy Spirit and faith, I mix them up, mix them in with me. And now I turn into some yellow gooey stuff. I think I'd look pretty good as yellow gooey stuff myself. So yellow gooey stuff looks like I'm reading, I'm praying, I'm talking to people, I'm reading commentaries, I'm reading the word. Sometimes I'm watching the guys on TV, I'm just, I'm just trying to get all the information that I can and dump it into the bowl, into the gooey stuff. And then the gooey stuff has to go into a pan. And the pan, unfortunately, then goes into the heat. So the pan, is, the pan is my recognition of whatever it is I'm seeking. Oh, you know what? You're right, God. After, after months and months and months of seeking the gift of tongues, today in prayer, I was able to trust you enough with my tongue to let, you get a, let my spirit blurt out a few syllables. And it was kind of scary. Into the evidence is more heat, more study, more, more trying to get some of those symbols out, trying to figure out if I'm right or wrong, what I'm doing here. Out of the oven, I go to, I go to a meeting. I, 
I'm in praise and worship time. And suddenly out of myself comes syllables I've never heard before. And I have no idea what they mean, but they feel so good. And they sound beautiful to my ear, and I can hear God's worship in them. But I'm still pretty gooey. Not done yet. Back into the oven we go. Next time we come out, we're done. I get flipped over, cut up, served. I'm worth something in this area. Which brings us to what, what got us here originally. I had a great unction to come into this, into this body of Christ and pray over us, and hopefully the Spirit would loose the, a word of prayer in the Spirit so that everyone here could be a witness to not me praying in the Spirit, but to the fact that the actions of the Spirit are welcomed and invited into this house. Our pastor is not only set up an environment where that is true, but it's where we can exercise. Now, I feel kind of silly saying these next few things to this group of people, but the one thing that you need to hear today, if you hear nothing else, is everything that makes this happen, everything that makes us a usable conduit to bring salvation to someone else is done by the Holy Spirit abiding in us. And abiding in us is an incredible thing. It didn't happen before Christ. Christ is being baptized by his cousin. He comes up out of the water, and a dove comes and lands on him. You guys ever been outside? You ever have those dove land on you? Did you ever see a dove ever land on any human being? They land on barbed wires, high lines, cactus, anything and everything, top of your house. I saw on the side of a truck, um, Radio antenna was bent a little bit and it was hanging on sideways. They don't land on people. This one did. There are a lot of commentaries, a lot of opinions. That was a symbol that the Holy Spirit was coming to abide with man. Something that had never happened before. Remember, abiding is not visiting. Abiding is moving in forever and all time. We will soon be out of these bodies and out of the restrictions of time and space. And we will enter the eternity that God is in. And the Holy Spirit will, st- will still be with us. It's eternal. So if there's any doubt in your mind, in your heart, whether or not the Holy Spirit abides with you, today is your day. We have men here and women here who are waiting for the chance to lay their hands on you and pray over you and assure you that the Holy Spirit abides with you. If for some reason there is anyone in this room today that doubts their salvation, that doubts they are chosen by God to be one of his people, today is your day to change that. So, anybody want to get prayed over? Today's the day. Okay, we're going to move right along. So, Pastor, if you don't mind. Father, we thank you 
very much for your love and for your kindness and for your faithfulness. We thank you that you see us as seed, and we accept that commission, Lord God. Father, we pray for the release of the gifts of the Holy Spirit into this congregation in every person's life today. We pray that you quicken in them a desire for the gift that is best usable for them, for the God. And we pray, Lord God, that if their spirits have not been able to pray to you, that you would gift them today with faith to trust you with their tongues, Lord God. And we bless you for your courage and for your faith in us. In all that you do, God will be first. And in all things you do, the peace of God will rest upon you. We thank you, God, for your, your ominous blessings. And we give you our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you would. Uh, you received a great message. You learned how to make cornbread as well, if you're like me, which is now I'm going to go home and give that a shot. Uh, I want to just share some words with you before we dismiss here, and those words uh, are to add some context to, to what uh, was brought here. Uh, Doug and his family were a part of the original team to plant Champions Church, driving back and forth from Amarillo, Texas, when the church was planted, you know, 22 years ago. And the desire then, he made a statement in the message there that's written down in my notes, is that God's purpose hasn't changed. And when he said that, you know, it, it rang out in my heart probably differently than it did for, for most here in the congregation, uh, because, you know, many of you weren't there for, for some of those experiences, but when he said that, I, I know what he's hearing in his spirit, that what, what he responded to 22 years ago, God's still at work bringing that to pass. And 22 years ago, when he heard in his heart that God was bringing a move of his spirit to Central Texas and, and that he was to, to load his family and, and at his expense of his time and his resources, bring his family back and forth and back and forth to Abilene, Texas, then to relocate, to uproot his family and to come and to serve tirelessly, to, to labor during the day, to minister in the evening, to, to give and to give and to give, to sow and to sow and to sow. And I, I personally believe what's stirring in his heart is, is the call to harvest, that all the things that have been sown, all the seed that has been sown now has been in the soil and, and that there's been preparation when he sees things in the city that the city is ready to hear of things like revival that you hear other churches beginning to speak of things that at one time if you were to speak of those things uh, you could have been taken out in the streets and stoned or at least close to it you know I remember when my father moved here and, and Doug and his family were faithful to come to, to be a part of what was being planted and established there were pastors in this city that literally met with my dad. He believed that he was going to, to have a meet and greet with other pastors. And this, these were the words they literally told him. Don't unpack your bags. That's, that's really hardly a, a warm Texas welcome, right? 
But there is a call and there is a purpose and there is a stirring to bring a, a great manifestation of the mercy and the grace, the love, the authority of the name of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit. And that call is, is part of the purpose of champions at the very foundation. And, and you would hear a word like Doug would bring and you, you would hear a, a great message and, and to see a, a wonderful part of the scripture that needs to be studied and embraced and lived out. But I'm telling you, there's more to that message than just a, a great uh, sermon. There's, there's a, a life of investment that is, is coming to fruition. Not just a season of sowing, we're talking about 22 years of sowing and that there's now a call to that harvest. So when you hear the words and you hear the call and you hear that stirring and even that, that extension and that offer for, for ministry, is there anyone here that has this, this need or this, this urge or longing in their life to, to see and to, to feel the, the power of the Holy Spirit operating not just to you but through you? That, that, that extension of that ministry is extended with tremendous sincerity, and that extension doesn't expire when we dismiss. I want you to know that that extension, that, that desire, that longing is rooted in Doug's investment and in his vision for what God is doing in this day. And the knowledge that you are here, not just to participate by observing, but that you're here to participate by releasing the ministry of Jesus Christ through your life. So as he has closed the message with prayer, I want to, to dismiss with a word of prayer, but I want you to know that that extension of ministry remains open and that uh, if there's any urgent, urgency in you to receive that, uh, don't leave here today without receiving that word of prayer. We'll make sure that we're available. We're a small group. We're easy to find. Uh, you can go and find Doug. You can find me or, or Bill Ashland, and we want to make sure that you receive that prayer. Uh, but I wanted to share that with you because as he spoke, I probably heard a few things differently than you may have. And I'm excited to hear those things. I wanted to make sure that we all have that stirring inside of us, that awareness that God is moving and things that have been established from years ago, decades ago, are coming to fruition. I want to offer thanks for that. We'll dismiss. I want to ask you to join with me in a word of prayer as we uh, dismiss here. Father, we thank you that you're faithful, that your purpose has not changed, that though we've seen many seasons come and go, that our identity, our purpose, everything that you have established remains. And what you have planted, what you have sown, you will bring about a harvest. We rejoice in that truth, that everything that you have invested will deliver. Everything that you have called, every sacrifice that has been made will bring to pass that which you have ordained, that revival, that release of your spirit, the stirring of the giftings and the anointings in each one of us for your namesake and your glory, the expansion of your kingdom. And we stand united together in prayer, offering thanks that you have called and chosen us to participate. And let our hearts be open to that call, that we would surrender our lives to see your spirit not only bring great things to our lives, but release great things through our lives. And we rejoice in that. Let that call not be rejected, but let it be embraced. And let us cherish and celebrate with every waking moment of our life that call to be a part of the expansion of your kingdom. We bless your name and we thank you. We rejoice in the mighty name of Jesus and all the saints declared, amen.
Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.